following is a reading from the Pact Audiobook Project. Please support the original author at pactwebserial.wordpress.com. Thank you, and enjoy. Judgment 16.13 The abyss was ruthless, and our surroundings were coming to pieces in fast motion. Cascades of dust flowed off of every surface, accompanied by flakes, chips, and fragments, a hundred years of wear and tear occurring over seconds. Where the surfaces were flat, such as the rooftop, the same dust and fragments danced as the surroundings rumbled and vibrated. Were it any lighter, it might have risen as thick clouds, any heavier, and it would have formed an almost liquid pool. It fell between the two points, ankle height, a roiling cloud of finer particles. I was small enough that ankle height was enough to obscure me. My view of the others was reduced to vague silhouettes. We need something to tie her hands with, Rose was saying. She was, out of everyone, closest to the ground. On it, Mag said. Give me a second. Grab her? Grabbed, Peter said. There was a sound of chain rattling. Here. You're like a superhero, a tool for every job, Peter commented. The chains rattled some more as they were wound around the pinned Miss Lewis. Damn straight, Mag said. Except I use guns, not some stick. Respect, Peter said. Got her, Mag said, tugging the chain to tighten the loops around the lawyer's wrists. Wish I had my combination lock, but we're good so long as we watch her. I think it was too tight, but it's not like she can die. I, Miss Lewis started. Mags raised her pipe with one hand. Miss Lewis didn't try to say anything more. Use your scarf as a gag, Peter suggested. F that. My scarf is staying with me, thank you very much. They seemed to settle on something. Within a few seconds, Miss Lewis was gagged. All right, well done. Now help me up. Rose said. Try sounding a little less bossy while you ask, Peter suggested. I've been clawed open by a hellhound, possessed and hollowed by my inhuman alter ego, my head's been rearranged, and the only reason I'm still conscious is that I'm drawing some power from conquest. I'm going to be bossy, so shut the fuck up, Peter. Wow, was all he said. Maybe try saying, please shut the fuck up, Help me up so we can go, sooner than later. One of you two better do it, Peter spoke. Bending down is not a good thing for me right now. My back doesn't hurt nearly enough for how fucked up it feels. Besides, I'm not sure I trust Rose not to bite. Got her? Paige asked. Yeah, Mag said. There was a pause as Paige bent down by Rose. Yeah, that gouge is pretty effed up. Mags observed. Peter managed to sound pretty casual about it. Am I going to have a badass scar? Maybe if you don't bleed out before we can get you help, Mags said. You look pretty wobbly. He turned his head, but didn't say anything. I couldn't see his face. Whatever he'd done, glaring at Mags or something in that vein, it prompted her to add, I can't lie. I like you a little less now. 
Paige finished pulling Rose very carefully to her feet. Buttsack, Mags called. Get your ass over here. You too, Stumpy. I know you're playing dead. Come, or you might not get another chance to leave. Uh, you, Rose said. Her voice wasn't that strong as she raised it to be heard. Same thing. The man in the ill-fitting suit, I realized. And he's gone over the edge, Rose said. Probably easier, if a little hard to get why. We ran into him earlier. I don't think he'll have any trouble making his way down. All right. That just leaves Blake. Blake? Heads turned. The sight being used to find me. It was Mags who bent down to collect me. He's alive? She asked. My eye moved. Oh, he's actually alive, in a manner of speaking. I need him, Rose said. Let's go, before the building does. My view was a warped one, wobbly. I had little volition, almost no ability to move of my own accord. The group took stairs as fast as they were able, and Mags was toward the front of the group, one arm on Miss Lewis' upper arm, periodically jerking her to keep her off balance. Buttsack walked in front of the woman, one hand raised to hold onto her belt loop. Trying to run would have meant hurtling the goblin to reach a lower stair. Mag's other arm was cradling what remained of me like she might hold a football. I was a lumpy, crude hand with a thread of flesh running over it, an eyeball tucked into the crook of her arm. The walls were bleeding dust, fine cracks spreading and reaching deeper. Every surface was caught in the same state between fluid and vapor, the stairs below almost a waterfall, though it had no force to it. Different colors of different materials pulled together to form layers and patterns as they collected. The sand of a million hourglasses. We passed the floor the two demons and the chauffeur would have been on with no incident. They would have left with the possessed lawyer, Christopher, I supposed. With my body being what it was, I could rotate my eyeball to look through the cracks and glimpse the others making their way down the stairs behind Mags. They were so worn out, but we'd found the light at the end of the tunnel. There was hope, only a little bit further, and we won. Power had a price. Seeing the dust, the sweat, the blood, the sheer exhaustion, the looks in people's eyes and the damage that had been done, nobody would dare say we hadn't paid a price. Grandmother had created Rose and I to work against the system, a snarl or a tangle in the pattern. She hadn't predicted the future, I was pretty sure. This degree of collateral damage was likely beyond her expectations, especially if we counted Toronto, but she'd achieved her goal. Mag stopped, turning, and looked back to the others who were slower to make their way down. Rose was between Peter and Paige, and the trio were still having trouble keeping up with Mags and the hostage. Miss Lewis' gaze was level, her expression oddly serene as she briefly glanced across to me, though she had drool and blood running from the corner of her open mouth, with what seemed to be tissues stuffed inside it. While we waited, a shadow moved below. I shifted position, poking Mags, and she turned her head, a false alarm. Green eyes. She'd been caught against the side of the building, 
and she'd made her way inside. She was tense, her attention on Rose. Blake is with us, Rose said. Green Eyes frowned, but didn't speak. Come on, Rose said. Keep moving. Green Eyes made her way forward, favoring one arm over the other. She noticed me and paused. I stared into her eye with my own, measured the nuances of her expression. Relief, fear, concern, all together. Enough for me to feel confident that she was the same Green Eyes. Those blades that had nearly killed her hadn't cut her in two. The mermaid looked back at Rose, and I wasn't sure even she was aware of how her hands had flexed, fingernails scratching the floor. A tell, as such things went. Green Eyes took the lead, going down the stairs head first. It would have been a lie to say that we were quick to reach the ground floor. Too many people were hurt, and by the time we got that far, the stairs were impossible to see, layered with enough particulate matter that footing seemed to be an unsteady thing. The others were waiting for us. Ainsley and Lola were on their feet. The kids were all there, too. Evan was perched on a kid's head. Green! Evan greeted the mermaid as she came down the stairs. What happened? Where's Blake? Is everyone okay? Is the world going to end? What's... Lawyer? And Rose! Rose, you're hurt? Where's Blake? Mags has him, Rose said. The... That's not Blake. That's Wood. Barber, Rose said. I moved. That's moving, Wood. It's Blake. He flew over to me. My eye hadn't changed size, but the ease with which he flew so close to me, it drove home how small I was. The barber, Rose tried again, without the sparrow going a mile a minute. He fell? He's out there, Lola said. I wasn't sure what to do. We reinforced the wards to the outside and hunkered down. He hasn't made much fuss. What happened? Ainsley asked. Everything's falling apart. Not just in here. You have the lawyer, but that doesn't tell me much. We won, Rose said. I think. We should go. With the barber out there? Lola asked. Rose's face was grim. She pointed at the door. You're sure? Lola asked. If we stay, we'll get pulled into the deepest reaches of the abyss. If we go, the worst thing that's likely to happen is that the barber is waiting for us and subjects us all to a fate worse than death. Can we hold a vote? Peter asked. No, Rose said. Open the door. You're being bossy again. But the Vestige kids were obeying Rose, and they pulled the door open. Hang back. Follow at a distance, Rose said. It won't do to let him play the pipes for you and lose this now, after everything. We made our way outside as a mass. The barber wasn't visible at a glance. The entire city was... I might have said it was smoking from every surface, but the smoke flowed down. Already, the upper floors of other buildings had started to break down, rooftops sinking or sloping. The street itself was fractured, and it continued to break down. Large planes of pavement had broken in half, folding into zigzagging waves where one piece leaned against another. Here and there, 
Larger pieces broke down further, and plumes of debris were sent skyward as they landed heavily amid dust. Had it been a perpetual thing, breaking down without ever ceasing to be, I might have thought the abyss had decided what form Johannes' domain should take. This wasn't that. The decay was too fast, too measurable. Blades that the barber had summoned had fallen and broken like glass. Bodies of wretches had wedged into cracks not yet big enough to swallow them. In the gaps between sections of road, the dust was thicker, burying smaller ones and ones that had been dead for longer. He's there, Lola said. The practitioners seemed to notice, turning their heads before Peter, Green Eyes, Evan, or the Vestige kids reacted. The barber. I was one of the last to see. Too many people in front. He moved in a sideways direction, dragging the sickle behind him, and he delighted to keep the damaged, broken body of Johannes. The demonic taint of the barber crawled all over the man. Only the basic shape remained. Scraps of hair and clothing. He held the pipes, and we had children who were maybe in earshot. He made no motion to play the instrument. Instead, he drew the sickle back, as if he was about to swing it at someone just in front of him. He threw it, aiming for us, except the ground beneath his feet cracked as he finished the motion. Too far forward, too far down. The sickle sank into the road, point first. The ground beneath him caved in further, a crater with him at the bottom. Heads turned. All eyes were on Rose. Her hand extended, fist clenched. Slowly, she relaxed it. You're doing that? Lola asked. You took over? Rose shook her head. I'm asking nicely, as the conqueror who has just unseated the king, riding momentum. But this place isn't truly mine. She gestured at the shears. The road splintered. Where it splintered, it folded down. The shears were drawn in, partially buried. Makes me really want a domain of my own, Rose said. It's done, then? Lola asked. You're talking about the future like this is over. Rose didn't reply immediately. Almost done, Rose conceded the point. Almost, Lola said. We're not in any shape to fight, and he doesn't die. I'm suspicious he can, if we wanted to defy that convention and go to war with him, but we're not in a position to make him. He's still there, and he's not out of tricks yet. He'll want to sneak out. He'll try things. He might even attack, and I'm not sure we can put up a proper fight, even with all of us together. Nobody spoke. Rose continued. Move forward. Carefully. If you have anything reflective on you, now's the time to get rid of it. Toss it aside. Push it into the dust between bits of road to hide it, or hide it inside your clothes. If he gets another body, he can essentially start fresh, only with a new bag of tricks. More resources. Good day to be a bird. Nothing on me. I'm naked. Right, Sushi? Green Eyes didn't respond. Sush- Green Eyes- I'm sorry I called you sushi and said I'd cook you. We're buddies, right? You're not mad? I'm not mad, Nugget, she said. 
Don't worry about it. We're good. But she didn't say anything else. Her demeanor didn't change. Quiet. Grim. You might be naked, kid, but those beady black eyes are a problem, Rose said. Evolution gave you almost 360-degree vision. That's 360 degrees of access the barber has. I've dealt with him before. Just be safe. Head down, eyes closed. Right on someone's shoulder. With Blake. He's kind of shoulderish, With fingers and an eye. But I don't discriminate. Sure, Rose said. And she sounded very tired. Her words clipped, not on purpose, but with the tension. The simple fact that she didn't have a wealth of focus to spare. Same idea for green eyes and the... Rose gestured, her right arm still around Peter's shoulder for support. Rat pack, Mag suggested for the Vestige kids. Sure, Noah said. Eyes down, extra careful. The tension was palpable. Though they moved furtively, patting themselves down, glancing each other over to point out little things like buckles or buttons, things were still. The group a small tableau in the midst of a city that was roiling more than an ocean in high storm. With the way everything was coming to pieces, the walls thinning out, the little details being washed away, it looked like a city made of candle smoke, ready to simply puff out of existence. Peter untucked his shirt beneath his coat to cover up his belt. Mags pulled off the metallic hairband that had been failing in its duty to keep her disorderly hair more orderly. After all of the bases were covered, the group began edging forward. Don't look directly at it. Resist any bait, Rose warned. Don't look at it in surprise. Don't look back. Don't wonder. Keep moving forward. The group moved around the crater, splitting into two groups, one going right, one going left. The barber made a sound, guttural and inhuman. I imagined it was akin to the sound a giant might make if it managed to howl loud enough to be heard from beneath a river of tar. It came from a deep, dark place past a great deal of resistance. In the moment the scream reached its peak, Johannes died. Every member of the group flinched as he popped, the container of the human body no longer enough for what dwelt within. The contents banked against the sides of the crater, dusting the group. Good, Noah said. His eyes were fixed forward. I wouldn't call it good, Rose said, her voice tense but I get the sentiment. Keep moving. Don't look. The barber unfolded, reaching out, flexing, a fresh body in the making. The sea of dust only absorbed his feet. The pavement cracked underfoot. He made progress, his form alien, reaching, forming new body parts just to find more traction or hold on to what he'd managed to get. But it was glacial, slow, The group wasn't much faster. Too many people limping or barely able to walk. The ones who were strong were carrying heavy burdens. Even Peter, with his injury, was supporting Ainsley and Rose both. The sound of metal on pavement. Don't look, Rose said again. He will take anything he can get. 
Trust. He went back for the sickle, Lola said. You can hear it. I can sense it. He can throw it like he did before. He'll fail like he did before, Rose said. Three times we've gone to war with him. Three times we've beaten him. Here, Ainsley said. When did you fight him before? The abyss, Rose said. That was the second time. Was there a time before that? The day he was bound, Rose said. If bloodlines count enough to drag me into this whole mess, they have to be strong enough to let my grandmother's victory carry forward. Hinesley shot Rose a look, and it was one of alarm. As justifications went, Rose's was pretty thin. But saying so would be more dangerous than anything. It could break the spell, or sunder the confidence of the lesser members of the group. There was a scraping sound, not the sickle, but the sound of the pavement moving, being pushed aside. The scrape that followed was sharp, a sudden movement. It went hand in hand with a crash and an impact that reached out a hundred feet ahead, serving as the push that some of the sections of pavement had needed to finish breaking. Dust was knocked upward, and dust was sent cascading forward from behind. Trust, Rose said, and her voice didn't have the slightest sign of weakness. Believe. But, and it was a hard thing to see in the cloud of dust that had surrounded us, Rose's head trembled. The muscle at the left side of her jaw was standing out, distinct. The barber moved. Not one sharp sound, but several. Moving fast enough and violently enough that whole sections of pavement were being pushed aside. Another crash. More dust filled the air, and parts of nearby building faces fell away. A fast food building shed pieces of sign and fragments of glass. Heavier things fell with thuds. The heavier impacts sounded like footsteps. The shadows that stirred in the clouds of the group took on shapes. A roar echoed around us, that same tar-thick howl, only with an edge to it. They kept moving forward. They didn't look back. There were more crashes, more explosions of dust, another roar. Further back, he was mired, caught to be swallowed up. Mags, Rose said. Yeah? Rose pointed. As the clouds of dust thinned out, I was able to make out a dip, a fold of pavement that was lower than the rest. You're sure? She'll come after us again, otherwise. Mag shifted her grip. Miss Lewis struggled, and I could sense the hesitation on Mag's part. She had no problem shooting monsters or tormenting goblins, but doing this was something else entirely. Miss Lewis doubled over, trying to push forward. The vestige kids got in her way, Noah and Benny each catching one of the lawyer's shoulders. Buttsack, do you... Buttsack didn't wait for the question to end. He hauled on Miss Lewis' belt, driving his shoulder into her stomach, and tipped her. She fell sideways into the dip, a ditch toward the center of the road. In contrast to the barber, all eyes were on her as she tumbled. Pavement broke as though it were nothing more than compacted sand. Still intact slabs fell around her, 
disintegrated on landing, leaving her half buried. Her struggles to get out from under only served to drive her deeper. She sat up, but her legs sank. The sand seemed to scrape and abrade. The abyss at its basest form. Miss Lewis was trying to spit out the tissues that had been stuffed into her mouth. A little forward? Rose asked. Paige and Peter helped her get closer. Bending down a little, Rose put out a foot, setting it on a slab. She winced as she did it, but she pushed. The slab slid down the slope of the little ditch and collided with the lawyer. A section of road that, dropped from above, would have turned a person into a pancake. Definitely enough to cave in a rib cage. For anyone else, it might have been lethal. But the lawyer was beyond death. You need a punchline, Evans said. Rules. I was thinking, Rose said. She watched Miss Lewis' continued struggles. Debris half covered the woman's face, and the slab of pavement had driven halfway through her torso. She worked, all the same, to try and worm her way up and free, futile. You want this domain, Lewis? Rose asked. It's all yours. The little light that remained was dying. It was the light of the night sky over a city, night lights reflecting onto the clouds above, but those same clouds were disintegrating too. There was only a clean slate. Miss Lewis had stopped fighting, but the decay of this world continued. Even staying still, she was swallowed up, only one eye, a temple, and a bit of hair remaining above the surface, watching us. We collectively turned our backs on her. Off to one side, a building folded into itself. The cloud of dust was impenetrable, but it didn't reach far. There was too much gravity here. The rumbling had slowed until it was barely perceptible. The predominant sound was a whisper sound, granules on granules, like sand flowing over sand or sugar over sugar. The domain was an expanse of fragments and sections of building floating in a still sea of gray-brown particles. With no wind to touch it, the clouds of dust were quick to settle. Only traces remained. Traces and the fragments of road that laid out a path between us and the exit. There were gaps between, but they didn't break underfoot, and they didn't sink. Another sign that this place wasn't an active site for the abyss. We were close enough to the exit that I could see the bridge that marked the division between the older Jacob's Bell and what had once been Johannes' domain. The sky over the city was so bright I couldn't look directly at it. They're gone. Lola said. The lawyers on the other side. The demons. I don't sense the connections. Damage is still done, Paige observed. There are gaps between things. It's saturated with wrongness. But they're gone, Lola said, almost whispering, as if, until this very moment, she hadn't quite believed it was possible. People are alive. Not everyone. Ainsley said. We have to brace ourselves. It won't be pretty. But... But they're gone, Ainsley said. She smiled. And people are alive. Yeah, I get what you mean. 
We won. Paige was the one who said it. Rose didn't seem so surprised. The cost of continuing the fight was too high, compared with the gains. It might take them a while to digest what happened, put the pieces together, report back to whoever or whatever they report to. The other lawyers will come after you, Mags commented. By your own logic. Their logic, Rose corrected. By their logic, which you outlined just now, it's too costly to leave you be. You represent something. Yes, Rose said. I might have to stay in the abyss until the worst of it blows over. I'm getting a sense of how it works. It's my battlefield, and I have work to do. Scourge work, Lola said. That's part of it, Rose admitted. Got to look after Jacob's Bell. That's our most pressing problem. Evacuate the citizens, clear it out, clean up the mess. Too much damage done for it to be salvageable. I think Alistair will be willing to work with me to coordinate. Each of us on different sides of the divide, if we have to. I'm glad you're still thinking of my cousin, Hinesley said. Rose nodded, smiling lightly. I gave her the ability to care for others. Will that be enough? But it's not just the scourge stuff, Rose said. I was thinking of writing a diabolic text. Taking after Grandmother Thorburn, maybe. A few heads turned. Need to challenge ideas, change attitudes. If I can put the right words to paper, disseminate the books, I can hurt them worse than we could repeating this fight a hundred times over, Rose said. We'd drawn close to the bridge. The exit. I'm going, Lola said. There's people I need to look for. My mom... I can see the connection, but I have to make sure. Bye, Rose said. I feel obligated to say something or do something, Lola said. But nothing's coming to mind. We spent far too long fighting because we were supposed to, Rose said. Because your families are supposed to hate diabolists, and I was a diabolist because I was supposed to be. Fuck obligations. Go to your mom. Lola nodded. She turned to go. Thanks, by the way, Rose said. Likewise, Lola replied, raising a hand. She didn't turn around, half running on her way past the bridge. Hurt as she was, she picked up her pace as she ran, a limping gait. Going home. Mags fidgeted. The same goes for you. I know you better than she did. Mag said. And I know you, Rose said. Go find your dads. I know we'll see you again. This isn't a farewell in any sense. Two rounds done, Mag said. As far as my count can be accurate. Fire, darkness, and blood. You're looking to do this again? Evan asked. Why, huh? Long story, Mag said. One I'd tell if I didn't have my dads to look for. And a fairy to look for. What happens to the fairy who were exiled here when Jacob's Bell ceases to be? Depends on how things were worded, Rose said. I'd guess they get to slip the noose until the individuals who exiled them hunt them down. Mags bit her lip. Go, Rose said. Mags gingerly handed me over into Rose's care. Rose held me in both hands swaying a little precariously before catching herself.
Nobody else moved. Faster you all go, faster we can each get ourselves patched up, Rose said. Ainsley, why don't you go find Alistair? Bring him here. I'm going to stay until I know it's safe. In an empty abyss? Ainsley asked. I'll relocate soon, I think. But this looks like as good a place to rest as any. Peter? Go with Ainsley. Help her get to Alistair. Get her patched up. Peter glanced at Ainsley, then back to Rose. Sure. You're really okay? Better then, Rose said. She managed a smile. You're not all that bad for a Thorburn, he said. Surprisingly high compliment coming from you, Rose said. I know, right? But I can lie, so I figure I should get the most out of... He winced as Ainsley elbowed him. Jeez, I'm wounded. Don't go doing that. You had a good moment back there, Rose said. Freeing Faisal. That was heroic. It made the difference. Peter smirked. Don't let it go to your head. I'll be in touch once I figure out how to manage it. His eyebrows went up. And the scary thing is, I think I almost look forward to a call from family. He offered a salute, then joined Ainsley in hobbling out and under the bridge. That pairing is not going to work out, Paige said. I know I should watch out for statements that could turn out to be lies, but I'm 99% positive. I agree, Rose said. Just don't tell him those numbers. He'll make it work out of sheer stubbornness. Maybe the failure will be good for both of them. Maybe, Paige said. You only stayed because you're keeping an eye on him, right? You're probably itching to check on Isadora. I am, but that's not the only reason I stayed. I just wanted to say good work. Good work? Not for all of this, but for making it through. All my life, I wanted to rise above the Thorburn stuff. Family drama. I kept getting dragged back down. I didn't realize that anyone else was fighting as hard as I was. We were friends once, before Blake and I were separated into two individuals, Rose said. Close. You, me, and Molly. Yeah? Yeah. I wish I remembered. Like I said to Peter, I'll try to keep in touch. Yeah, Paige said. She glanced at those who remained. The Vestige kids, Evan, Green Eyes, and me. You okay like this? I think so, Rose said. You said you were better than okay when Peter asked, Paige said. Entirely different questions, Rose said. I suppose that's true. You did a good job, Rose. You too, Blake, if you can hear me like that. Paige didn't say goodbye. Neither girl had anything more to add. Paige's exit was more of an awkward retreat. Stepping away, constantly glancing back at our group, a concerned expression on her face. She passed under the bridge. The moment Paige was out of sight, Rose collapsed. Noah tried to catch her, but he wasn't big enough or strong enough to support her weight. It made for an ugly, awkward fall. The scene was still. Even the sand-on-sand -sand whispers had stopped. There were no noises from Jacob's bell. 
A car passed along the length of the highway, headlights only catching thick mist. Darkness on this side, daylight on the other. Green Eyes hadn't budged an inch as Rose fell. She watched, her expression cold. Green Eyes, Rose said. I'm not going. I wasn't asking you to go, Rose said. I'm asking you not to kill me. Wait, what? Evan asked. No, we won. This isn't a bad end. We fix Blake, we fix me. Rose triumphs, happy, happy, happy. Rose is bleeding, Green Eyes said. Too much. Oh man, you're going to be okay, Rose. I can go for help. She's going to eat Blake, consume whatever humanity or flesh he's got to try and patch herself up. Evan went still, shocked into silence. Essentially true, Rose said. Then why shouldn't I kill you? Green Eyes asked. Because he wouldn't want this, Rose said. You know he wouldn't want this. And the promise I made with him? That was what he wanted. This is better than... No, Rose said. I want to tell you I'll give you the ending you want, but if I do, and it winds up being a lie, it'll probably kill me. I'll be too weak. I have to draw on him to patch myself up. I'll probably have to pass out and rest for a bit before getting underway, and he could die at any point during that. There might be too little left, but with what remains... There's almost nothing as is, Green Eyes said. You're telling me what I want to hear, dodging the truth. Green, Green, Evan cut in. Come on. Green Eyes was bristling, fingertips digging into the pavement. Her fins flared. Do it for me? For the nugget? Evan asked. Slowly, the fins relaxed. The tension went out of the fingernails. Rose nodded. She turned her attention to me. Damn it, damn it, damn it, she said, reaching down to break, digging for the flesh that remained. Then all went dark.